Morning, welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, December 18th, 2022. We've got another great show for you this week as we break down all the news and events with members of the Media Academia Financial Services and Government. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. But if you're tired of the same kick things off with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill in terms of legislation, litigation, and regulation. Joining us on the line, you know them as the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Room Law Group, and that's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us again on the program this morning. Thanks, Rosan, Jeff. You know, it's always good to be on the show. As we get closer to the holiday season, there, there tends to be either a, a rush of legislation or, or a rush out of D.C. And I think this week we're going to talk a little about what's causing the uh, the rush of excitement in D.C. Well, David, um, thank you for that, Kevin, for that intro. And uh, we, we talked earlier in the week with uh, some colleagues of yours, Tim Rouse of Spark, about SECURE. Um, what, what do you, what's the latest on the continuing resolution, the budget, and possibly SECURE 2.0? Sure. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, as we sit back here on the weekend and, and look back, the first thing is to keep in mind, as we've talked about before, no matter what, retirement legislation doesn't usually get through Congress on its own as its own standalone bill. It's been a long time since we've had that. Instead, retirement legislation like Secure 1.0 often gets stapled on to these omnibus, like big funding bills that fund the entire government for the rest of the of the fiscal year, and it becomes part of it. We still call it like secure, but it's part of the big bill. The reason I say that is that what we're looking at right now, we, we had been looking at a deadline of, to, of like the end of this week uh, where the funding was going to run out, and it took until – it took until uh, late in the week for Congress to reach a framework agreement between the Democrats and Republicans on spending at this point. And uh, the key about that is that that frame. All right, guys, we got to start this over. Kevin, you got to mute. We hear all your kitchen stuff. Uh, I'll mute. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Here we go. Sorry. No problem. Here yeah. we go. Three, two, one. We're going to kick things off with a look at regulation, legislation, and litigation. Joining us on the line, they are known as the Legal Eagles. We also know them fondly as Dave Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, thanks again for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks for having us on, Jeff. And, you know, thanks, listeners. We know as the holidays approach, people like to, you know, do a little bit more baking in the kitchen. And I think this week we're going to focus on some legislation. That, that Congress has been cooking up for a while. I like that. I like that analogy, David. Um, lots been going on in that easy bake oven, or maybe it's not an easy bake oven. It's an oven, that, nonetheless. What's going on with Secure 2.0, the budget, and the continuing resolution? 
Sure. It's been a busy week, Jeff, as we look at things. Put a little bit of context behind this, because we've been talking to you and to listeners for a long time about legislation now. The way that legislation, the way that Secure 1.0 went, went and got enacted, is that it doesn't in the retirement space usually get enacted as a retirement bill on its own. It's been a long time since we've had that. Instead, retirement legislation usually gets stapled onto one of the big sort of must-pass pieces of legislation. Right now, we're in one of those moments. Government funding was supposed to run out on Friday, and in the middle of the week, the congressional negotiators reached an agreement on a, a funding framework, which basically says how much money is going to be spent. And then later in the week, they agreed to a one-week short-term funding bill that says, okay, we got a week to finish nailing this down, and hopefully by the end of next week, everybody gets together, votes, and we have government funding through the end of the fiscal year, which the government fiscal year is in calendars, I think it's September 30th. The key reason why that's so relevant is now that we have a framework, there's a lot of word on the street, commentary, things you hear about that Secure 2.0, the retirement legislation where we've gone into the details, and that I'm not going to do today, is going to move forward as part of this omnibus funding package. Now, where where are we on that? Don't forget, the House passed Secure 2.0 early this year. By an extremely lopsided, I think it was like 414 to 5, if I remember correctly, bipartisan vote. The Senate has a series of bills that have been reported out by different committees in the Senate. But there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. Staff have at the committee levels and also on the House and Senate side have been working to get to a sort of harmonized Secure 2.0 language. So instead of that old how a bill becomes a law discussion of it comes out of committee and it gets voted on and goes to conference, skip all that. What's happening here is agree to text is being worked on between the House and Senate uh, subject matter experts that will be included in the bill. Obviously, the 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 members of Congress have to be comfortable with it, that even though staff is doing a lot of the lifting for the members at their direction. And what what is going to happen is it is expected to be included in the omnibus bill. Now, is it very likely the omnibus bill is going to go forward? Yes. Is there always a chance it won't? Correct. And then they would just do a continuing resolution, likely just to fund the government, which would mean Secure 2.0 would not move along at this point. On the more substantive, just for a moment, on uh, on the substantive side, there are still some slight details being worked out. There's a lot of discussion out there uh, on various things. Like, for instance, there was some slight disagreement on 403Bs between the House version and the Senate version. That's all getting hammered out right now. We can get really in the weeds. The key is we're, we're getting towards the end. Some things may drop out. Some things may get slight tweaks in order to get to compromise. But we are getting close. So if I go by the weekly odds meter here at this point, <laughs> I'm you know, last week I was at 50, 55. Now I'll put it at like 70. But at the same time, there, there's no guarantee here. Mr. Walsh? Kevin, I think, you're, Walsh? On I think you're on mute, Kev. Kevin just believes what I said is so perfect. Yeah. He has nothing to add. I'm, I'm floored. I am as well. Well, if he jumped, it, it, while we're waiting for Kevin, oh, I think Kevin just dropped off. He might be trying us back on. But, David, um, how will we know what – oh, he's joining. Hi, Kevin. Are you back? Kevin? 
He's still he's still he's, floored by what uh, I said. Yeah, he is floored. Um, but David, how would we know what provisions are included? So you're talking about this big bill. Um, does that get reviewed? Like, will we know what provisions? You know, for example, the RMD age going to 75. Uh, things around emergency savings or small businesses. How do we? How do we? You, David, or you, Kevin, and I? How do we see what is actually going to be included? Well, we're going to have to wait for bill text, and it's going to come out pretty late here. I expect that the the things you listed, like RMD and emergency savings, will be in there. I think there are some of the less contentious. There's consistency between House and Senate. I'd be shocked if those were not in there. I also am hopeful that an upbeat, but you never know until you see it, that a lot of the effective dates, because remember, Secure 2.0 would have had effective dates of like 1-1-2023 for a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. That, that would make for a lump of coal in people's Christmas stocking here if, if you have to be rushing to get things up and running. And systematically programming for like vendors and record keepers and TPAs probably isn't practical by 1-1-23. But I think, there, I think that there, the industry, I know we've been active in, in communicating with folks on the Hill, our entire lobbying team. I think it's important to keep in mind. I think folks on the Hill understand how the retirement industry works and the system works. So I would expect that and hope, expect is probably strong, but hope that a lot of the deadlines that one one twenty three, the effective dates will be pushed to twenty four, which will give us a nice one year runway to get it together. I see Kevin is with us, yeah. so I'd love to hear my my colleagues' thoughts. Kevin, Kevin, well, it sounds like David that um, Kevin is is keeping those thoughts to himself because I can't hear him, but. Uh, Look, I think it, I think this is good news. Seventy percent is a better number than fifty percent. It's just a matter of we've got to just wait and see. And uh, to your point about um, effective date, yeah, I mean system implementations don't happen overnight. And if there are things that have to be programmed, you, you just can't hire people at the last minute to do this. It's got to be tested, worked through, um, and and procedures developed to make sure that things process are processed well, on time. So. Well, and Jeff, I'll add one final note. Take, for example, one of the items that's out there from Secure are long-term part-time employees and letting them in plans. Uh, after three years, mm-hmm. Secure 2.0 versions would take it down to two years. If that's the case and there's effective date issues, there's a lot of questions still out there about how this operates. I know a number of us have think that you know there's different ways to interpret it, and we'd like the IRS to give us some flexibility, hopefully. So that's a great example right there of something that could be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And and as someone who has been in the record-keeping industry, had been in the record-keeping industry for a long time and lived through EGTRA and other substantive packages, there are lots of things that have to be thought through and lots of decisions. Well, David, we're going to leave it there. I want to wish you a very uh, happy holidays. And we're not going to talk to you next week. We're going to do a, uh, a replay show. Uh, please give, extend, Kevin, um, our best wishes, and we look forward to having you back on after that, uh, the following week to talk about what to think about for 2023. Hopefully we get some good news. Enjoy your rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again very soon, my friend. Happy holidays to you, Jeff, and happy holidays, listeners, and thank you again for a good year. All right. Thanks, Devin. David. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. <laughs> Imagine a new television network 
that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The tax relief line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. Welcome back. Now we're going to break down the markets, talk a little economic data. Joining us on the line, he's the lead anchor for the T. D Ameritrade Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, thanks so much for uh, joining us again on the program this morning. Always, thank you, sir. Well, we appreciate it. Let's uh, let's talk about the Fed first because the uh, our friends at the Federal Reserve 
uh, raised interest rates. You want to talk a little bit about that, the economic impact, and we can get into markets. Yeah, the um, response from uh, the market was pretty interesting. The economic impact is uh, fairly straightforward um, in its direction, somewhat of a mystery in its impact. Still, we know the Fed's plan now quite clearly. They're going to keep hiking until they get to at least 5% unless inflation somehow miraculously drops. But uh, the impact is the big question. How much damage have they already done? And how much will they do with this next uh, two two hikes, basically? And it seems like the stock market now is starting to tell us that there is some damage being done, maybe more than we expected. And the logic for reasoning that is that equities are no longer rallying when bonds are rallying. So there's a really big break in the relationship from the past year where it looks like yields are going down, not just because inflation has possibly plateaued or peaked, but because investors now are also buying bonds for yield and as a safety trade and as a hedge for economic malaise, which in some respects is a good thing because it means our asset classes are behaving in a more traditional fashion, but it also means that the odds of recession are probably going higher to the point of inevitability. Well, Oliver, we don't know the severity of what the recession is. We're just going to have to live through that. I mean, anyone who tells you they know probably is not doesn't really know. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, but let me ask you, we, this week on Friday, we had um, someone from the National Federation of Independent Businesses talking about small business confidence, though it came up a little bit in uh, November. Small business confidence, still not great. Here we are heading into the, uh, the, the holiday season, I mean, the prime holiday season, uh, as you know, because some, from someone covering the markets, I mean, the, small business is the lifeblood of the American economy. Um, yep. Any concerns? Uh, what about it from your perspective? I won't say any concerns. I don't want to lead yeah. you down the road, but w- what's your perspective on this no, and I mean, that's, that's what true. you're seeing? One of the most important parts of the stock market that I'm watching right now are the regional banks. Regional banks are basically a referendum on the small business and the uh, individual consumer as well. Regional banks provide the loans to kickstart small businesses. They bank for small businesses. They connect people with houses and mortgages, and regional banks are then a very good inside look at the economy. And uh, regional banks on the stock chart are really struggling right now. Uh, Regional banks have had two really big sell-offs in the last couple of weeks, Uh, one of the biggest sell-offs they've had in three years. It's a group that um, people watch but is not necessarily the top attraction when uh, everyday folks are talking about the stock market. but uh, So they can give you some uh, important insights, I think, that generally goes overlooked. And what they're telling us is that small businesses really are ailing. So it's no surprise that our surveys of small business sentiment are still weak because that group is starting to break down, and that probably reflects a drop in activity at small businesses. Oliver, when you look at you know the uh, the broader – I guess the world market, um, China with the COVID lockdowns and the protests, I guess the protests have dissipated. There are no more lockdowns there. COVID is still a thing. Uh, here we are two and a half, almost three years later, 
it's still a thing, at least in some global parts of the global market. Um, what's been the impact in general with the Fed, with COVID uh, beyond China and also uh, the rising interest rates here in the States? Because other central banks have followed suit. The China situation is another um, wild card in markets right now. Uh, there's one train of thought that says China's reopening and recovery will push inflation back higher, but we don't really see a lot of signs of that being the case when we look at markets. Crude oil is pretty close to the lows. It's had a steady decline for the better part of three months, even longer, but for the China-specific story, you don't really see any activity in the crude oil market that suggests there's some big rush of demand coming. You don't really see it in copper either. Um, you see it in some of the Chinese stocks uh, that are seeing their valuations expand again. But um, apart from the Chinese stock market, it's uh, there's not a lot of signs that it's going to have a big grand impact on the inflation discussion just yet. Now, I think there's good logical reason to think that it will stoke some degree of inflation still, but uh, it's just not showing that right now. So I don't want to get too carried away in making that assumption. Um, however, it's probably easier to argue and more convincing to argue that some of the Chinese stocks that have been in a bear market for almost a year longer than our own bear market are probably set to do a little bit better than their U.S. counterparts if China is reopening. Oliver, last question. Um, we're not going to talk about FTX specifically. There's been a lot of developments this week. There's uh, you know, obviously the uh, detention of the proprietor who founded FTX. There's also testimony yep. going on, I think, in the Senate and the House around cryptocurrency. Let's just step back. Without naming names and you know focusing on specific brands of crypto, I know this is one of your favorite topics. That's why I wanted to end, I wanted to end it before you threw tomatoes at me. Let's talk about how the uh, is the crypto market still reeling. Um, it, it it has not looked good for many many months, and especially these last few weeks with what's transpiring with FTX. But ha has it recovered a little bit, and is it still moving in correlation with other asset classes? It is and it isn't. Um, it generally is still correlated with stocks, but it has uh, lessening uh, by the day, basically. And uh, it's, I think, going to depend where the next really big move is. Bitcoin's basically been stuck in a range since the FTX blow up. And now uh, we will find out if it's going to um, make new lows or break out higher. It's hard to really read into two, three, four percent moves in Bitcoin. The moves that matter in Bitcoin are 10, 20 percent moves. And so that's what I'm watching for. And I do believe that it will still move in the direction of the stock market. So investors need to watch it. And there has been unique weakness in Bitcoin throughout the last three months. So it's lost that correlation with stocks because it was weaker than stocks while stocks rallied the last uh, two and a half months. But when it makes a big move, uh, in my mind, it likely will reconnect with stocks in whichever direction that move is. Yeah, it's just a fascinating story. I mean, the, uh, the, the FTX story itself is very fascinating. Crypto, 
I think is from my perspective has been very fascinating to watch because I, I still I still don't understand it. Uh, I don't yeah. I, I don't I don't understand it technologically, but I understand money and money is a medium of exchange, right, Oliver? That that is usually backed by something, and in, in the case of the U.S. dollar, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. I, I still uh, and that's just why I've been hesitant about it, even if if they were to come up with a spot ETF. Around Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency, I, I just don't understand it. I, it. Maybe I'm just slow. Am I slow? No, you're not slow. There's nothing really to understand. A lot of it is uh, the things that you think you don't understand are basically mm. mumbo jumbo that people <laughs> use uh, to confuse you, uh, jargon and uh, made up terms and phrases. Uh, most of it is um, is worthless, uh, and we're seeing that play out. Yeah. As, um, I think pretty much the the truth of the matter. Well, Oliver, we won't get a chance to talk to you next week because we're going to rerun the show. It's going to be Christmas when the show airs. So we'll just rerun the show. I want to wish you and your Happy family Christmas. a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, uh, whatever you Thanks. celebrate. Enjoy that. And we'll talk to you again um, before the end of the year. All right. Sounds good. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to. Drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.